Hey everyone, <clears throat> welcome to the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. I'm back. I'm Will Hobson, Vice Chair of the Libertarian Party of Oregon and Mises Caucus Organizer. And uh, yeah, and I'm being joined with uh, Pablo uh, and Peter, who are also organizers and our current and former uh members of the uh, Libertarian Party of Oregon's Board of Directors, uh, respectively. And yeah, we're here to talk some yearly wrap-up, uh, talk about a little bit what happened in the past year and uh, what we're looking forward to. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Is that just for me or anyone else? Excellent. Well, it's been a momentous year. Uh, how do you want to start this? Do you want to start local and then go up to national, or do you want to start national and then go down to local? Let's do national. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that happened this year, obviously, was the takeover and uh, getting you know Mises Caucus leadership into the LP and. I know not everyone uh, was a fan of us, uh, but uh, I think we've uh, definitely been able to do some really interesting and impressive things since then. Um, they Nobody can argue that things are different now, so <laughs> I don't think. That's, yeah, or, I think aren't different. a lot of success this year in that respect. Um, social media engagement has gone up a lot. I know it's been a bit of a growing year, a bit of a transition with some, some donors leaving because of the changes, but pretty much all the haters that I see on Twitter, I'll have like 20 followers. So, I think it's important also to call out that internationally, like this has been a good year for uh, talking about some of our most important issues and the number one being sort of the invade Russia, Ukraine, NATO, all sort of coming to the fore. And while we talk about people who, you know, rage quit the party, I think the other litmus test was to see which libertarians are actually neoconservative in the way that they position the United States as, you know, whether or not intervention matters, but whether or not you are pro-Ukraine war, I think says a lot about where you, how you understand libertarianism, which is one of my. No. Yeah. And I think a lot of them actually self-describe as neoliberal, which isn't, uh, isn't too radically different than a neoconservative. It's just, uh, it's just a different flavor of, uh, kind of like closet authoritarian. So, uh, yeah, I've definitely seen those people interact with our social media, pretty upset that, um, they're taking some kind of like anti-American stance or it's really what it is. It's an anti-establishment stance. Um, and they're just, they just believe the propaganda, uh, that our, our own government puts out. Like they think that we believe Russian propaganda when we're, we're getting like 99%, I think of our sources are coming from inside the U S so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think it was probably for the best that we, we did what we did and took over leadership. And now we have kind of a co co, uh, cohesive, you know, coherent direction that we're taking the party in, which is coalition building on, on issues with different groups where we agree and, you know, being, not being so nice that we, we come off as apologetic. So, yeah, important, um, pragmatic caucus was still in charge of the party uh they probably would have jumped right on the ukraine train oh yeah and they probably would have said very little about the fact that ukraine has drafted uh its uh, citizens into a war when what you think about that that is arguably one of the worst kinds of slavery where you could die and you're forced to kill like uh i i struggle to think of a worse form of slavery sometimes, you know, like it's, there's, there probably aren't many that that is a horrific kind. And, um, yeah. And I'm against the R Russia doing the draft just as much as I'm against Ukraine doing the draft. I'm against, you know, censor censorship of, you know, alternative voices. I think the best path forward is to call for an immediate ceasefire and begin negotiations. That's the best way to save lives anyway. But yeah. Um, in that regard, 
I definitely also wanted to talk about, this is jumping in, I know, a little bit for the moment into the future, uh, and not the wrap-up, but uh, recently, this last Wednesday, uh, they announced a massive uh, anti-war event that's going to be happening in Washington, D.C. on February 19th, uh, and we're calling it uh, Rage Against the War Machine. It's an anti-war wa- rally in Washington, D.C., and we're actually working, the Libertarian Party officially is working with the People's Party and a bunch of other anti-war groups to kind of unite the anti-war movement left and right uh, to uh, take action and start uh, working cohesively to uh, avert ne- nuclear war and uh, yeah, really try to start to put the brakes on the military industrial complex in Washington, D.C. And they actually have a list of demands um, and I'll run through them really quick, but, uh, there, yeah, there's 10 demands. The first one is not one more penny for the war in Ukraine. Second one is negotiate peace. Third is stop the war inflation. Four is disband NATO. Five is global nuclear de-escalation. Six is slash the Pentagon budget. Seven is abolish the CIA military industrial and the military industrial deep state. Eight is abolish war and empire. Nine is restore civil liberties. And 10 is free Julian Assange. And I think those are great demands and many, many different groups in the, uh, like in the anti-war spectrum of political thought, I think agree with all of those pretty passionately. And I think it's a great place to begin a coalition and uh, to actually get some things done. So, yeah, this is, and we're going to have, I just want to sort of highlight something here. Uh, I think those demands are very uh, libertarian in how they they sort of define international relations and how they define uh, foreign like policy and if you're a libertarian and you if anything in those demands is problematic for you we should you should come on the show and you should talk to us because maybe we're wrong but like this this type of libertarianism uh, is something I would not have seen out of the former uh, LNC. And this is something new and different that the Mises Caucus is bringing to liber- the Libertarian Party. Yeah, no, I, the, you know, the sad thing was, is in the little magazine that the Libertarian Party was putting out uh, before the convention that went to, I guess, everyone, all the members of the National Party, which there are like tens of thousands, the uh, the chair had like a two-page kind of like op-ed spread, you know, kind of in the magazine where there was just filled with text, like, like it was at least two columns thick. Uh, if not three, and it was just a big letter to like the LP, and war wasn't mentioned once. Not once. There wasn't the word war did not appear in that sentence, and that should be the most important thing that I think the the Libertarian Party can stop is the most you know wicked and heinous you know. Uh, form of uh, authoritarianism, which we were supposed to be the kind of the antithesis of is, is war and the death and destruction it brings. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, when I read that, like nothing could, nothing put me more on board with what we were doing than, you know, seeing that. So, uh, one of the, I mean, I'm really not surprised by that, to be honest, because a, a lot of those people just aren't anti-war. I mean, I've been called Neville Chamberlain enough times this year by people that claim to be libertarian, to know that a lot of them just really weren't anti-war and that's how we got bill weld and honestly <clears throat> i don't know how you guys feel about this but when i get in these arguments with people on twitter i just want to be like just leave the libertarian party like you're no longer welcome welcome here like we need to get these people out of the party and get good people into the party and speaking of good people like um i uh want to call out that one of the speakers at this uh Rage Against the War Machine event is Scott Horton, who is one of uh, who's one of the voices that the Mises Caucus has sort of uh, orbited. And one, if we have a guru and, and a person who's alive that can help us direct libertarian political philosophy, I believe it is Scott Horton. And one of the one of the speeches he gave this year to the LNC uh, was talking about was on the title of the speech was Mises Caucus Doctrine. What are we doing here? And one of the reasons that he gives for focusing on war is really great. And I'm going to just read a little excerpt here. He says, the reason I focus my attention 
to the warfare state for the last 20 years is because it's the worst thing our government does, and it's the center of so much else wrong in our country. If it is an emergency, then why not be a Republican or a Democrat? And, you know, Peter, maybe we should figure out how to clap back to people who are people who have crane flags in their um, in their bio who claim to be libertarian. I'm thinking about Kyle Varner, who is a Washington state libertarian, who is basically a neoconservative when it comes to anything foreign policy, foreign intervention wise. There is not enough blood. There's not enough American blood and treasure to be spilled on behalf of like regime change for this guy. But um yeah, why not be a Republican or a Democrat if you're not opposed to the single worst government program that exists on the planet today? And that's the Nisi's caucus gift. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, about that agree more, like, I, I want to get people on the show who disagree with this. So Kyle Varner, uh, Kyle Varner on Twitter, you, you have a, a standing invitation to join us on uh, the uh, Oregon Libertarian podcast. I'm shocked. I'm, just, I'm looking at his Twitter right now. There is no Ukrainian flag, which is odd. I swear it used to be there. A lot of Slava Ukraina stuff, though, including a picture of Nancy Pelosi holding up the Ukrainian flag with Zelensky in Congress the other day, which was quite the sight to behold. Yeah, I mean, we could try to see if we can get anyone from the classical liberal caucus to come on here. I mean, they all hate us pretty bad, but... Well, that's what I like about... <laughs> well, that's what I like about our group is that we're willing to entertain the possibility that we're wrong. Like, I I don't want to be wrong if I am. I would want someone to tell me and call me out on it and give me reasons for why I should think some other way. Uh, and I I don't see a lot of that in our opposition. I think it, it becomes very dogmatic very quickly, a certain set of beliefs. And if you are to go against them, you're immediately, you know, some kind of heretic and uh, you know, drummed out of the group, but um, yeah, I, I really appreciate the commitment to open-mindedness that we we have among our people. I think we the we are people that still consider that a virtue, and I enjoy that. Uh, but yeah, other speakers too. We're gonna there's gonna be Jimmy Dore is coming, the Angela and uh, of the chair of the Libertarian Party, Angela McArdle, and uh, Nick Branna. Uh, chair of the People's Party were on Jimmy Dore's show and made the official announcement. Jimmy Dore said he's going to be there and speak. We're going to have Medea Benjamin from Code Pink. Uh, Garland Nixon's also going to be there. And that's just the beginning. There's going to be more speakers. I assume Dave Smith is coming, but he's not on here yet. So I don't know for sure. But I'm sure we're also going to have other speak great speakers. And uh, Daniel McAdams sounds like he's going to, going to be there. He's Ron Paul's uh, foreign policy guy. And uh, yeah, it should be good. I really want people. I really want people on the left, like the anti-war left, to like discover Scott Horton and how much of like a freaking just like Stephen Hawking of foreign policy he is, uh, and really appreciate that because he is he's such an asset. Well, <laughs> to our to our movement that it's hard to understate it. So uh, I re- really looking forward to this. I actually got plane tickets for it, so I am definitely going. Uh, on the 19th, I got my work uh, to give me the time off, my new job, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. Jealous. That should be pretty awesome. I was just listening to Scott Horton on uh, the Dangerous History podcast. He did like a four-hour podcast with Prof. CJ about the origins of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It's pretty great. It's a great format for Scott, four hours. I mean, it's a it's a quick conversation for Scott. Scott yeah, was yeah like, exactly. If you don't stop me, I'll just keep talking, just so you know. And Prop CJ is like, this is all I have on the agenda for today. So have as long as you want, Scott. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm Merry Christmas to Scott Horton. Really, really grateful for him. Uh, really grateful for the for his voice being one of the new uh, Libertarian Party voices that is put in place uh, with the Mises Caucus takeover. Uh, and I think that the, this this event is, to me, very uh, indicative of the change that the Libertarian Party is going to see under under Mises. The People's Party, um, the movement for the People's Party is is they're not libertarian. They're 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 populists. They're they're leftists. They have a lot of really bad ideas. But one of their core planks is anti-imperialism and non-interventionism, along with progressivism, social democracy, democratic socialism, things that, as long as we never talk about where a price comes from with these people, I'm sure we're going to get along. Yeah. 
but single issue coalitions, right? I was just going to say that I think the more they get exposed to our ideas, um, I think that it's in in the long run they can't realize how evil government is in this area, but not in every other area. So I think it's good to keep talking to them. Yeah, I, I really think that's the 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 really awesome part about coalitions is that the good ideas eventually kind of float to the top. I mean, it was happening in Free Oregon. We were working there. People were asking me. And then they heard something on uh, foreign policy that they didn't understand. They were coming to me in private being like, hey, Will, I know you talk about this stuff a lot. What, what do you think about this? So, um, yeah, I think we just got to this is a good time. This basically opens the door to talking about our ideas. And, you know, I'm not afraid of <clears throat> my mind being changed on things. I don't think it's going to be. I think I'm pretty close to having the the set of ideas I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life, but I'm open to the idea of hearing new ideas. But I, um, I think if we believe that our ideas are sound, we shouldn't be afraid of being exposed to ideas that are counter to ourselves. You know, like have some faith in, you know, I guess libertarianism on some level. So, but, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's coming up and, um, that's going to be exciting. And we're also, you know, we did have elections uh, this year. They didn't go, you know, as well as we had hoped, obviously. Um, we we did have uh, kind of a, uh, a knowledge gap in a lot of our teams. We didn't have as many candidates um, come forward to run. We were kind of in a, we're kind of in a transition phase where we're building back up the party the state party. Um, but, uh, we've definitely learned some lessons, I think from this campaign cycle that we're going to carry into the next campaign cycle. We're trying to be proactive and forming the, uh, getting our committees up and running. Um, that's going to be my goal over the next few months as we, uh, move into, uh, the, our next state convention, which is going to be in May, uh, 28th, I believe. Is it May 28th? going to be May 28th, which is a Sunday at the Sean Gardner Dance Studio. And the exact time isn't set, but it'll start in the morning. Uh, and we are going to have our next successful uh, Libertarian Party of Oregon State Convention. We're going to have lots of speakers. Hopefully we're going to have uh, get some business done. We're going to uh, hopefully have a lot of events in the day before that Saturday, maybe like an a uh, libertarian hike through Forest Park, maybe do some other speakers, maybe some uh, pub crawls, maybe, um, you know, some stand-up comedies, maybe some smaller engagements at people's homes with speakers and, uh, and the like. But I am working right now on making sure that that is successful and that goes off well and that we have another successful convention and we are getting a head start on planning for 2025 because it is good to plan these things in, in advance. And, 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 uh, getting ready for 2024, like 2023, 2023 is yes. sort of necessary for the one time of 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 year, or the one time of of place where people pay attention to politics, which is presidentials. Um, I want to add a little bit of data to to something you just said. When you say that we didn't, the Libertarian Party of Oregon did not do well in statewide results, um, you are, um, you know, you are correct. You are factual, and uh, like in order to be add some more color to that. Um, in 1982, the, the first uh, Libertarian Party of Oregon gubernatorial candidate mopped up 2.6% of the popular vote. In 2022, the Libertarian Party candidate took in 0.3% of the vote. Uh, that, is, that is not great at all. Uh, that is not great at all, especially when you consider that there seems to be a lot of opportunity in the data that I see about Oregon. The largest block of political voters is not Democrat, is not Republican, it is non-affiliated voters. We are the third largest party in America. There is no reason why uh, we should have had 0.3% of the vote. And um, there's some other uh, some other factors happened here. There was a very strong third party candidate, uh, Betsy Johnson, who ran for governor. Um, but yeah, like the, I think there's a lot of issues that we got to examine and a lot of building that we have to do in the party, in Oregon especially. This is true for the Libertarian Party in general. But again, like reflecting on the change that's happened in 2022, 
let's think about this through our, our, our Mises Caucus affiliation. Um, what has the Mises Caucus talk, been talking about for the last few months? What, what, what project have we just launched as, as an organization nationally? And what does that mean here at home for Oregon? What have we learned over the last two years of like insane tyranny? And to me, it, it tells us that statewide office is great and we, we should do it when we have the right candidate and the right resources. I don't believe we had either in 2022, uh, but I do believe that the Mises Caucus talking about a decentralized revolution and talking about the local offices like sheriff, governor, city councilor, and um, uh, school board, but focusing specifically on the ones that are nonpartisan and local to you are probably the way that we will do what we have to do in order to protect freedom in Oregon, which is we need to focus as a party on having influence where it really matters, where uh, people who think like us, people who believe in freedom can say no next time there's a major lockdown or power grab that comes from somewhere else, from Salem, from Washington, D.C. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I like the idea of focusing on sheriffs, especially now with the um, some of the information we're essentially getting with the uh, Measure 114 opposition. Um, I think now we can target certain sheriff uh, races that um, we think are important. Like if there's a really good sheriff, we want to help make sure they have maybe send people who are ideologically libertarian uh, to support them. And uh, if we have a sheriff that's really bad, we can find a better candidate. Maybe we can support them. Um, that, however, is me. I'm saying this is just a layman person. I'm not saying this is part of the Libertarian Party of Oregon because the Libertarian Party of Oregon has a mandate to uh, not focus in on those. And I think that might be something that might be getting changed at the convention this year, if I'm not mistaken. That might be something important that happens. So... So what we have a bylaw prepared for that. It's kind of in flight. So like we know that there's a need to to, to change Libertarian Party of Oregon bylaws. Um, we have a study group sort of put together um, that we expect to get uh, more more concrete as we enter the new year. But yeah, very specifically, the Libertarian Party of Oregon's mission is to run as many statewide run as many partisan candidates as possible. Emphasis on partisan. And the way that I'm interpreting that and the way that it's been interpreted to me by others is that this deprioritizes what I think are the most realistic, what we believe to be the most realistic, most vital, and most um, within our grasp uh, roles as a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of things that I think that we can uh, make better and stuff. I, I think right now, and my personal mission is going to be to build the internal infrastructure for the party because right now, to give people a little bit of inside baseball, if you kind of want to think about the Libertarian Party in the terms of like organs that help like the the organism run, right now we have the brain functioning. We have the the uh, the board of directors meeting regularly and communicating uh, via email and, and talking on the phone sometimes. And that that's all well and good, but the brain can't do a whole lot besides itself, besides think. And in order to make the whole party run, it needs more organs. It needs more organs that serve more powerful functions that can get the body moving and doing things. So if you want to think about those extra those extra things that we need, you can think about them in the forms of like committees. We need, uh, and I know this sounds really weird saying committees are really going to be the helpful, but they really are. They help uh, uh, give activists a place to go, meet with other activists, uh, collaborate, coordinate. Uh, so we need, uh, I think uh, Pablo is running the, um, I think it's called the IT and the website committee now, or is it the IT and tech? Uh, just information technology, I IT. Sorry, info. Yeah, information technology committee, which is going to be really integral to you know all kinds of things like you know getting a voting app set up for our internal elections, getting you know the website, you know keeping it maintained or upgraded from time to time, uh, for helping develop uh, ways for us to collect data, 
for our voter registration to, you know, it, things that will help other parts of the party function well. And then uh, three other committees that I'm going to help try to get started, spun up and meeting regularly are going to be the uh, campaigns committee, where we're going to uh, take the stuff that we learned from this election cycle, uh, make it better, make training, uh, make training materials, uh, you know, kind of create a chain of command. So if things, you know, happen, we, there's someone that's accountable at the top that can make sure that are, that everything gets done. Um, another committee that we're going to need to get up and running is the fundraising committee. So they're going to create a donor list. They're going to create a call sheet, you know, and they're going to make phone calls to actually track donors, going to create strategies for fundraising events, uh, you know, different, um, parts of the population that we can target. You know, um, I really want to go after naturopathic doctors. I think that is a great, um, you know, fundraising demographic where they, the vast majority of them probably believe in medical freedom just based off of their, uh, you know, the subject matter that they've decided to, you know, dedicate their life to, uh, doctors usually make a good money. Even naturopathic doctors probably make, still make pretty good money. And I think they're a natural ideological, uh, alignment with a lot of what we believe in. And I think there should, they should be a class of donor that could be pursued. So that's an idea. Um, after that, the other committee I really want to get spun up is the, uh, affiliate committee that is going to help form all the different County affiliate groups, um, get them, get them just started on the path. You know, sometimes it's hard to get these groups going and get, you know, the internal inertia of the group, uh, going enough that, you know, that actually meets regularly and, and starts to draw on more members gets work done. But, uh, I think that's what the committee kind of needs to help these small fledgling groups that we have in different counties that are trying to form, uh, get going and give them, you know, uh, resources and materials that they, they might need to build up their county parties and advice um, and help coordinate, you know, help get them to the data that they need to contact uh, other people in their, their county. So uh, with all of those different groups, I think those, those four committees, the one Pablo's working on the three that I'm going to try to get meeting and try to find leadership that can run them themselves. That's uh, since I'm running for chair, that's going to be my big, um, my big task for the next few months leading up to the convention is getting those spun up and ready. And if we have those spun up and ready, we have a successful convention. We have a really good start to having a successful 2024 presidential campaign where we'll build all of that, all those gains and really start to, um, really start to be cooking with gas here in the state. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Getting really excited for this convention. Definitely important for us to maintain some momentum and make sure that the Mises Caucus is well represented. Uh, all of the positions on the public policy board are, as long as a bunch, another, a bunch of other positions are going to be open. So if you're hearing this podcast, uh, definitely make sure you come to that convention. Yes, there are many different uh, available uh, volunteering positions uh, if you want to volunteer. There's there'll be something to your liking somewhere and, and we can find out where, uh, where to plug in. And yeah, if you're, you're interested about that, all you have to do is email me at will.hobson at lporegon.org. Uh, and I will get that email and I will try to point you in the right direction. And for those of you who uh, are sort of new to political life uh, as I was, like the the easiest way to get started, the easiest way to be of, of use and add utility to like libertarianism and the movement is to just organize a meetup. We live in Oregon. There there are breweries literally everywhere. You 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 announce a date, a time and date that works well for you, and then you start to promote it on Facebook. You can come to our Libertarian Party of Oregon Facebook group, uh, or you can come into our Discord. And uh, we have uh, announcement channels. We have events channels. You, you, I can help you get set up with Eventbrite. I can um, cut a list of emails for you that are of people that are in your county. And you just do a very low-key, purely social meetup, and you're going to meet some extraordinarily interesting people. I guarantee you that uh, there's going to be a lot of bright people there because libertarians tend to be bright. And I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of people there that want to talk because libertarians love to talk. 
So that's the first step you can take. And um, you can get in touch with Will at will.hobson at lporegon.org or myself, pablo.serrato at lporegon.org. And uh, let, let us know if you are if you need help or if you want to start organizing uh, something in your county. Yeah, and, and the vast majority uh, of the volunteers that we're going to need are probably going to end up being some form of county level affiliate volunteer that where you're going to help build the, the affiliate is just the a fancy word for your group uh, that is associated with the the state party in your county. So you'll be the libertarian, uh, essentially part libertarian party of, you know, Deschutes County or Wasco County, you know, so uh, yeah. And that's where the vast majority of people probably can probably start out. If you think that, you know, a committee on the state party, is intimidating or too much at once, you know, just start off small. Yeah. Just like Pablo said, make a group, hang out with people, get the social interaction going. Cause that's what a lot of times is the main draw for a lot of people is the social interaction, the camaraderie. And then once your group is kind of up to a critical mass where it can actually, there's enough people in there that can get work done that they actually, you can actually get some, something done. Then you can start getting more formalized and try to form you know, an, a, an actually organized group where there's a chair, vice chair, secretary, uh, treasurer, you have a bank account, you have a PAC, you've you've affiliated with the state party, but don't let that scare you. Just the informal social group is the most important thing. Started. Yeah, and just to double click there, if, if you are sort of an overachiever and you feel or you have ran for office in the past, like, or, or you're interested in running for office in the past, like we're, we're working on resources for you. Uh, one of our uh, Multnomah Libertarians volunteers has helped us put together uh, a very nice uh, spreadsheet that has a lot of data in it. The data is basically opening up different types of volunteer opportunities that exist within your county. Every county, every city has a public... Uh, committees that want to solicit feedback from the, from the, com the community. So a way that you can become involved. And I think it's no secret here. Like the most important part of freedom is the freedom that is closest to you. So your community, your town, um, you need to build up a resume in order to be a leader in your community and in order to exert influence. One way you can do so is you can spend some time going to your local, uh, uh, neighborhood council, uh, council, which is what they have in, in Multnomah where I live. But there's also other commissions, um, where you can help exert and inject libertarian ideas in Multnomah. For example, we recently, uh, had a, a, a reorganization of the county charter. Uh, there was a libertarian volunteer, uh, who's part of Multnomah, uh, libertarians who represented, uh, what I think were a lot of really good ideas on the Multnomah Charter Commission. And that's one thing that is now on her resume. So if she ever were to decide to run for public office, she can point to public prior public service, which could help. Uh, definitely couldn't hurt. Um, we we're going to continue to refine this document, this spreadsheet that was put together by Risto on our, uh, on our team. And we want to use this artifact to sort of point to other counties and saying, hey, if you are interested in this go local strategy, here's one way you can get started. Here, here, here are things you can look into um, if you want to take it to that next level, which is not everyone. You know, Showing up and drinking a beer is perfectly fine. That's how the revolution started in the United States uh, back in the day. Um, but for those of you who want to take it to the next level, this is like the 102 course. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, trying to think of anything else we wanted to talk about that happened this last year. At the year. state level? Because we did national, uh, now we're at state. Yeah, yeah, we could we could talk about what happened on the, the state level if you want to. I mean, so uh, state level, we had a, we had a midterm. Uh, it wasn't a midterm. It was a, what was the election that we had in June? What's it was a midterm. Year? It was a midterm, okay. Oh, sorry, June. Oh, you're talking primary. Primary, yeah. Primary, yeah. Where we also made changes to the LPO uh, bylaws that we mentioned earlier. We talked about the uh, public policy board. Yes, yes. I think it's revolutionary 
to talk about that and maybe spend a moment explaining what yeah. that is, Will, and why it was needed. No, that's a good point. Yeah, so the Public Policy Board is uh, necessary uh, for the Libertarian Party of Oregon because the Libertarian Party of Oregon actually um, bars the party from taking public policy positions um, that aren't for like a very narrow range of issues, like as far as like growing the party, like party membership and maybe like one or two other things Uh, there. It's, it's very, very basic. We can't talk about, you know, how we support, you know, gun rights. Uh, We can't talk about, you know, foreign policy things in an official capacity and just to reiterate, nothing on this podcast should be construed as like an official position of the Libertarian Party of Oregon. Since I'm still a board member, Pablo is as well. Uh, this is just us speaking as just just people. Uh, but the yeah, the problem is though is that we uh, because we can't take these we, the party I guess beforehand couldn't take these public policy positions. We couldn't use. Um, issue outreach essentially to recruit to organize to build coalitions because we were essentially silenced uh while a lot of member uh, other members of the party that were for this argued that you know well if we have a county affiliate then they can take the positions all day just not the state party that's all well and good if you actually have county affiliates and we didn't and we couldn't recruit a lot of people to fill them because hey guess what we're still gagged on the state level so the unfortunately the for for people that are just now like coming into the party i think uh and and for us definitely when we first came in we realized that the the previous people who set up a lot of these bylaws and stuff kind of uh straight jacketed the libertarian the 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 state party into some really unfortunate um situations that was they're kind of very difficult to claw our way out of that just being one that was like from a membership uh, issue. There were definitely some other things that were very like financial, like us having to send out paper ballots to our entire membership. Um, that was financially devastating. We, we've managed to uh, dig our way out of that as well. But the public policy board uh, was a necessary solution so that we could start taking public policy positions. And we have, and we've been starting to get some attention about it. Uh, we have, uh, we, we took some really strong stance on measure 114, uh, on the war in Yemen. Um, I'm, uh, blinking out on some of the, what are the, some of the ones that just came out? They were, they're very recent. Well, the most recent one was the 114 one. We did also right. have a measure against the Oregon medical board, right. um, that suspended, right. uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, I think is his name. And I want to, and I think we have something defend the guard that's either passed or it will be passed very soon. I'm the vice chair of the public policy board planning on running for vice chair again at the convention in May. Uh, We do have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. There's been some people on the board that have been a little bit hesitant just to start passing a bunch of stuff because none of us were actually elected, but uh, I've been kind of pushing the other direction, obviously since democracy is a fraud anyways, and wouldn't make us any more legitimate. But uh, we're thinking that when we um, after the election in May, we'll have a lot more momentum to start passing a bunch of stuff. Uh, We're working on just passing an entire platform that is the Oregon, I guess, the the national platform, plus some other stuff. And uh, yeah, so big stuff to come uh, next year from the Public Policy Board. Yeah, we're glad to hear it. Uh, I think it's also important that uh, to note that because of, of this situation, the Libertarian Party of Oregon found itself effectively straitjacketed, gagged, and bound um, during the entire COVID lockdown. So uh, for, for, for those of you who are looking for like the Libertarian Party to light the path in Oregon against one of the most repressive uh, COVID regimes that existed in the, in the country, like, sorry about that. Uh, we were, were restricted by our own rules. But uh, if this ever happens again, you, you have... Um, 11 very good libertarians who are going to breathe fire and help us get the Indeed, Pablo, we will breathe fire. But yes, uh, it has been, yeah, yeah, the, uh, you know, one of the things that struck me so much is that there are a lot of people that are are surprised that, uh, you know, Oregon is, um, 
you know, it is leaning Mises, you know, we do have a lot of uh, Mises members, but, um, you know, there, there really wasn't anyone who cared about Oregon here before. There were, weren't like a lot of other groups that were really involved uh, in helping, but I've noticed now that we've, the, the party's starting to build up, the momentum's starting to carry forward now. People are starting to come in. People are starting to be interested, you know, in Oregon, what's going on. You know, I think uh, not to say that the this is the only reason why the Radical Caucus is is back and has a presence. But now the Radical Caucus is back in Oregon and has a, a small presence. And uh, we we actually joined with them and want to, you know, want to help support their their mission, because I think we, we find a lot of kinship with the Radicals. Uh, I honestly consider myself a lowercase radical, you know, politically, but, uh, you know, they're, we're the ones who did a lot of the work and like, and, you know, me and Peter, you know, we came in in 2019 and we, we wanted to build up the party and give it its first successful convention. We did, we did that. We, We worked really hard for it. And now we're, we're gaining steam, we're gaining momentum and it's really exciting, but, uh, I do welcome all groups, even if you're, you know, even if you're opposed to the Mises Caucus, you know what? Come on in. Challenge us in elections. You know, steel, steel sharpens steel. I, I, I welcome the challenge of, you know, uh, someone opposing me, uh, in this, in, in this arena, because I think it's, it's healthy for all of us to be able to work out our differences and to, engage in good competition. It's almost kind of like, you know, wolf cubs who, you know, wrestle and fight when they're, when they're pups, you know, so that when they're grown up, they, they can actually handle themselves and they can actually, you know, they, they've, they've worked out their muscles and they know a little bit of how to fight. I, you know, cause when we get to the arena where we're actually having knocked down big drag out political fights with, uh, you know, establishment, you know, candidates, we're going to need all these skills and lessons we learned along the way. So uh, that's my take anyway. I want to double click on that uh, using some corporate bingo speak. I want to double click on what you just said about the Radical Caucus. I also want to mention that the Radical Caucus is one of the sponsors of the Rage Against the War Machine event in D.C. in February. And kudos to them. They are, they are an amazing organization that has a great platform. If you guys have never read the Radical Caucus platform i encourage you go and google it uh one of the best members of our multnomah group one of our strongest members of our um public policy board is a member of the radical caucus in oregon who's doing tremendous things and really representing you know uh libertarianism as it should be and which is boldly and unapologetically and um you know consistently and you know, anyone else who's in a different caucus who's listening, you know, look to the Radical Caucus to, to figure out what it means to be libertarian if you don't like the Mises path. Um, I don't, you know, for, we beat up on the classical liberal caucus a lot uh, because they make it easy because they're terrible. We don't want you to not leave. We don't want you to leave the party. We want you to just stop being terrible. Stop being embarrassing. Stop being um, leftist tropes. And then we can have a, a great conversation and, and, you know, better leaders for I don't know. If you're pro sex changes for kids, I kind of want you just to leave the party. But maybe that's my opinion. But all right. Yeah. I... Well, is there anything cover. else you wanted to cover? I guess it's been 45 minutes now. I I think I'm I, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, I just want to reiterate: uh, we are doing some exciting things nationally and on a state level. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, this this event in Washington D.C. in February uh, is kind of what I'm all about. Like this is one of the mo- more exciting things I've seen politically, and I've done a lot of work to like reach out to a lot of these different uh, anti-war left groups, and I'm really looking forward to uh, you know things starting to stick and you know, start really starting to gain traction with with this event and. Um, well- yeah, I'm really looking forward to building the LPO. Yeah, I, I am too. And another thing too, the, we have to have this rage against the war machine thing because it, because Bernie Sanders folded like a cheap suit when he could have brought up a resolution against Yemen. Uh, yeah. Could you talk briefly about that? Like how with this move, the Libertarian Party 
makes itself the counterculture and the anti-war movement. Well, that was so pathetic. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, you know, we Bernie Sanders had almost nothing to gain by uh, doing what he did, besides maybe being slightly more politically comfortable. Like I, he, yeah, essentially we uh, we had a big push from like anti-war left and right to. Uh, pass war powers resolutions to completely end legally completely cut off any more support for the war in Yemen. Uh, we did a big push for several days. I know I called my Congress and my state senator several times to the point where they were starting to get annoyed. Uh, <laughs> know my name. Uh, but uh, yeah, and we were, you know, egging on other people to do it, but Bernie Sanders just decided not to bring the motion forward because the Biden administration wasn't quite ready for it. And, uh, you know, they're never going to be ready for it, probably, uh, unless there's like a much bigger war somewhere else where they want to put their attention for some other reason, which is not great. Uh, won't be a great way reason for it to end. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's just there's there's just nobody that's anti-war that's really near any significant amount of power. And we're going to have to be the power as Spike Cohen says. Uh, so uh, we are, hopefully this scares the shit out of them, seeing the, the left and the right unite in a big, coordinated, well-funded, you know, well-executed anti-war uh, rally uh, in February uh, that leads to insane amounts of networking and, you know, and coalition building. And uh, yeah, I really hope this is, the beginning of something really powerful uh, uh, because they're, yeah, the Yemen and many other countries that were victimizing around the world isn't going to be saved by the, the current people we have in power, which are essentially all complicit war criminals. So um, we can't wait for them to do the right thing. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, couldn't agree more. I mean, it's great to hear people like Jimmy Dore talk about how pathetic and awful Bernie Sanders is to know that at least in the People's Party, people are just kind of over his bullshit. It's good to see. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a uniting of the anti-authoritarian spectrum of the political party or the political spectrum. And uh, yeah, Jimmy Dore is great. Um, I, yeah, I can disagree with him about some things, but I know he's coming to his... Uh, his conclusions that I disagree with uh, in an admirable for, for admirable reasons that I think that if he were exposed to the right information would change because it, it would be more beneficial to fellow, his fellow man. Like I, 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 I see, I, I really respect how he come came to his, his positions, even if I do disagree with him. So, so he's, He's a great person to pull in. And I also, I called him up and he did agree to come to the 2024 LP National Convention in Washington, D.C. So we have that on tape that he's going to do that. So Sweet. I'll be pumped to meet him. That was so much fun when we went to his show uh, last year during COVID. At yeah. one point, he's like so stoned and he looks down at his notes and he's like, do I have any more jokes about the vaccine? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I've noticed he hasn't come back. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a, he had a full uh, room. He was playing to a full room, so it's not because of uh, lack of demand. Yeah, I know. I know. Yep, I think he just rubbed too many people the wrong way in Portland. Is this our final episode for the year, folks? I, it might be. Um, we could maybe try to do something on Wednesday. Um, my new job uh, has me working just late enough on Fridays where it doesn't quite make sense unless we want to do a much later podcast at like seven 30 on Fridays. So uh, we can talk about it, but yeah, we could try to get in a, maybe something fun uh, next week on Wednesday. If you want, yeah, um, I could do an episode on Wednesday. That's fine by me. Yeah. And I would love to get some calling guests. So like, if you're listening to this and you don't agree with the Mises caucus and you don't agree, or you don't agree with libertarianism at all, like, Come on in. Like, we agree with each other way too much, and um, Peter is great at arguing. Indeed. Well, I mean, yeah, we could reach out to the Classical Liberal Caucus. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't really know if I want to invite Adam on, but I mean, we can cut that part out. But <coughs> I'm sure. Is there anyone else in the Oregon Classical Liberal Caucus? It's unknown. Uh, they haven't revealed themselves, but like, um, we, you know, we'd love to hear from them. We'd love to talk to libertarians, especially, you know, in person, because all this internet bullshit, you know, you're just meaner on Twitter than you would be in real life. Uh, oh yeah, dude. Especially since if I'm tweeting from an anonymous account, like I will be a dick to everybody. It's great. <laughs> but you know, Peter Peter came to my attention when um, over the summer of 2021, he was at a uh, at an event in Portland where he was dealing with a heckler, and um, he went after him and he dragged him for not wearing uh, for wearing a mask, but wearing a mask that didn't work, like one of the one of the really shitty like just cloth masks, and that was. Uh, you know, I thought that was a really good uh, sort of way to, to deal with a, a hostile crowd. So I'm really interested to see how this will work out on a podcast. Anyway, right. yeah. All right. Well, that'll I'll, be the 2023 goals. We have more hostile guests on the Oregon Libertarian podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> if, uh, this, consider this your welcome. Leroy Jenkins. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll have, uh, we'll have one, and I will get it uh, – typed up and a link set up for it for Wednesday at six. We'll do something fun, maybe fun, even funny. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll try to enjoy ourselves. Uh, but yes. Uh, and again, we are going to try to move to a format where we're going to have multiple people do the hosting and maybe uh, people from around the, uh, the state, maybe host, you know, uh, in different affiliates and uh, it'll be a bit of a different format, but it should be fun. We'll, we'll, we're working on it. So, um, and lastly, this is my own personal plug. I am starting a peace-focused coffee business. If you guys are interested in it, uh, you can go to peacehawk.coffee. Uh, go in there, drop in your email. Uh, I do want to launch uh, in the new year, realizing that starting now, I'm going to force upon myself, if I start it now and launch it now, I'm going to force upon myself some tax obligations that are going to be really hard for me to meet in time. So I'm going to try to st start it in the new year. Um, and get that going, but, uh, yeah, sign up there to get on the email list and hopefully my advertisers will start advertising that soon. And we'll, yeah, we'll get some alternative, alternative economics going, uh, in a bunch of different places where you can buy things from people that don't hate you. So it's going to be really cold in Washington, DC in February of 2023. Um, everyone's going to want uh, a really good cup of hot coffee. Will, I think you should have some bags with you uh, on the mall or wherever they're having it. So you yeah, can, sure. You can hawk some. That sounds like a great idea. Cool. All right. Well, all right. you guys have a great night. Uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh, Boxing Day and all that jazz. Kwanzaa, and... Hanukkah, all the above. Everyone yeah. yourselves. Ha happy, happy Yule. Pagans. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Good night, guys. Cheers. Cheers.